Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and MacLean podcast, presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlick and MacLean. Mac, we're making history Ooh. on today's episode. Come on. Making history. We are going to talk about SMU, Southern Methodist University, based in beautiful Dallas, Texas. Uh, I am from Texas, so of course, this is exciting for me. SMU's joining. Yeah, I know, Shuck. SMU's joining the ACC, Mac. Welcome yes. to all the SMU fans. Come on. What's up, everybody? What's up, Dallas, <laughs> the Big D? I'm excited about this. Uh, as you all know, I've been jacked up to, to talk about SMU and, and to bring them in the league. And you know, just a place like Dallas, I love it. You know, been there many, many times, I'm sure. Um, KG, you, you got down there. You know, Austin girl. You got to go to Dallas. Well, bit, right? Mac, this Not is so interesting because like for jumping SMU over fans, state what are we doing? No, no, no. For SMU fans listening, they'll understand. So my brother now lives in Dallas. He actually went to SMU for a graduate degree. But Austin and Dallas are kind of, mm, I mean, at least back in the day, Austin's super Rivals. bougie now anyway, so they've become uh, bougier. But okay. when I was growing up, it was Austin was kind of the keep Austin weird. Like, we're the smaller city. We're kind of, we've got we're just ourselves, whatever. And Dallas is bougie, Dallas. Right, right. But now right. Austin's bougie too. All of Texas can can, right. can claim to be bougie at times. Um, That's good. So there is a little bit of that. But Dallas so it is was great. like difficult. You didn't want to go. Like you had to have a passport to get to from Dallas to, <laughs> and vice versa. Like the yeah, great country. a little bit of that. A, a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> sometimes when my brother's being a little, um, you know, let's say he buys something that's a little, a little expensive or whatever, my parents and I just go, oh, he's in Dallas now. He lives in Dallas oh. That's the way we <laughs> Good say for it. him. Good for him. Shout out but to all uh, love to our JJ Dallas there. folks. All love. That's right. That's right. And welcome to the party. And uh, also welcome to the party. Our guy, Billy and Bonnie from yes. all three, uh, went to SMU, played at SMU for a year. And, uh, you know, it, it's so funny. I had already interacted a little bit on social media and this and that. And then I talked to some of the SMU folks and they're like, he's the guy. He, he's who you need to talk to. I said, of course, of course he is. That's why we're bringing them on. This was a really fun conversation. And quite honestly, uh, for you guys listening, maybe th for the first time, maybe some of our you know fans that are always with us here, we've got to do more because we have to jump into SMU. Same yes. thing that we'll do with Cal and Stanford. But I am intrigued because seriously, the joke I make is you, you just don't know. You know, we haven't covered them for the past five mm -hmm. years like we have other schools here. And, and so it's going to be fun, super fun to dive in, to learn new things. And that's exactly what we do here. So shout out to Billy. Very grateful for his time. Before we get to that interview, a quick message from our friends over at Ingles, and then we'll get right to it. It's time to discover the convenience and time savings of contact-free pickup with Ingles Curbside. Just visit shop.ingles-markets.com or download the app. And your Ingles personal shopper gets to work with specialized training on how to select the freshest items for a pre-scheduled pickup. They'll even text you with updates. You pull up to a designated space and your personal shopper delivers your items right to your vehicle. Fresh, fast, and affordable. It's all in the bag. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. Okay, Billy, welcome, brother. It's great to see you. We're talking SMU. We're welcoming you guys into the ACC. Uh, thank you for joining us, man. I'm excited for this episode. We've been waiting a long time to make the Texas connection with Kelly uh, in the ACC here. Yeah, I'm pumped. Thanks so much for having me, guys. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. There's a lot to dive into today. And as I've said throughout this kind of journey, Kelly, that we've been on is, you know, these episodes are a little unique and a little different. This one going to be a little more unique because we have no clue what we're talking about. We had to do a bunch of packing, a bunch of knowledge. It's like day before the test. You're staying up till midnight learning about what you're going to be doing and studying here. And that's that's where we are because SMU, brand new, coming into the league this year. Billy, your thoughts? You attended SMU. You played quarterback there for a year. Uh, happy? Excited? Sad? What, what What is it? How are we feeling about joining the ACC, man? Look, this is – I've covered SMU in some capacity now for – over a decade, which one makes me feel old, two realizes that SMU has been on this journey, kind of wandering through the wilderness for a minute now. And that dates all the way back to the Pony Express and the death penalty and all of those things, of course. But it's now that final culmination of all the people who put in the hard work to get SMU here. I mean, when I was at SMU, I got there in 2010, played for a year under June Jones, and you know, we were an Adidas school and the jerseys didn't fit. And, you know, it it was, you know, the next step was hiring a $2 million man in June Jones to to breathe life into the program. They got finally back to bowl eligibility for the first time in 30 years back then. And then from there, it came to Chad Moore's show. They got back to bowl eligibility. They had, you know, a star in Cortland Sutton and the high-flying offense was brought to SMU. And Sonny Dykes was kind of the next uh, coach that needed to be put in place at the right time, a program stabilizer uh, who could build off of what Chad started with Texas Roots. And then Rhett Lashley, who had learned under him, uh, took over as you know first-time head coaching job. The blueprint was there with the transfer portal. And at that same time, NIL came to be. Uh, and Rhett Lashley and his staff have certainly taken advantage of that. And during that time, SMU's dumped about a billion bucks into uh, athletic facilities on campus over the past 10 years. So uh, don't worry about the TV revenue either, I guess. This is... Uh, hey, we're good. We're after, good. <laughs> after the worst home schedule, I mean, that I have ever seen, been a part of, oh, no. being into the being in the ACC is uh, welcome not only for me as someone who went there, but covering it, it is... People are pumped. I can't tell you how much they are excited about this. That's that's great to hear, and the home schedule will look a little better. Florida State's coming to town this coming season, and I can tell, Billy, you're already excited for that. But give our listeners and viewers a little bit of an um, understanding of SMU and, again, powerhouse in the 80s, death penalty. I think a lot of people know the basics there, but trying to get back and just the fan base, being in Dallas, being in one of the biggest cities and honestly one of the um, you know, richest cities in the country and this fan base and all the money, like you said, the billion dollars. So how can this program compete in the ACC when it comes to everything beyond the field, like donors, all that stuff? Tell us more about that. Yeah, SMU is, I kind of mentioned wandering in the wilderness uh, and somebody uh, who's very involved with the program and uh, is is one of the top boosters said to me when when they got into the ACC, he said, Moses wandered in the desert. <laughs> you know, SMU wandered in the desert longer than Moses did. So um, <laughs> it's it's that's it's really been the case. And after the death penalty, you had administrators that didn't want anything to do with having a football team with any sort of advantages. You, know, you had to meet an academic standard of you know a Rice, a Stanford, schools like that to get to SMU and play at SMU. And oh, by the way, they completely canceled two seasons of football. And so you lost 
there's a uh, what we call the the forgotten generation or the lost generation of SMU fans, and those are now kind of the fans that are probably in their you know 40s, early 50s. Those are you you should be hitting your stride with those those fans as far as supporting the program. And so it has been on the backs of a lot of uber successful donors who are um, a little bit more seasoned, so to speak. And they have made it a priority really since the early 2000s when football returned to campus on on SMU's campus to spend money, to invest. Um, They built Ford Stadium, which is undergoing 100 and they they say officially $100 million, but I know with construction costs, it's 120 plus million dollar end zone complex that I got a chance to tour last week. And it is it's going to be pretty insane when it's all said and done. Uh, you don't realize how how much space you can get kind of going straight up and underground and things <laughs> like that. But um, they have invested in facilities. They built a $60 million indoor facility just two years ago that opened. Uh, they've you know done all the you know usual refurbishing of football offices through the years and things like that. And during that time, they've expanded their salaries for, for football coaches. You know, they before Sonny Dykes ended up leaving for TCU, they were ready to make him a $5 million head coach. Um, wow. And that was back in the AAC, AAC days. Um, I'm ready to put the AAC, ACC thing behind me. <laughs> uh, but you have Rhett Lashley, who is really a guy who's been a coordinator at various high-level jobs, Miami, Auburn. Um, places like that. And he's had success wherever he's been. And he's kind of a cool customer. He's a recruiter, I think, at heart. And so he's really capitalized on one, I think, a fan base that when Sonny Dykes left was pretty pissed off and rightfully okay. so. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't sit well um, and it doesn't really happen. Um, and I don't think it's happened in, in college football to that degree. And where he went, Billy, right? Exactly, where he went, you know, for a crosstown rival. And Mm -hmm. now he's there doing his thing, and they go on a perfect storm, which which rubs salt in the wound. But Rhett had to come in and and basically save his entire roster. And NIL was new. This wasn't a collective that was in place or two Mm -hmm. collectives like they have now. There were players that, quite frankly, were being talked to. And you had a staff that knew they were going, or most of them, for a month leading up to that. And so he had to come in and, and salvage that before even addressing his roster. And so they started up a collective, and that collective did a great job. They only had one defection to TCU, a veteran offensive lineman from Fort Worth. And that was really what put the, the plan in place on the NIL front. And that's where mm-hmm. SMU has really been able to thrive. And they do a really good job of identifying talent that can also turn into something mm-hmm. when you're you're needing to maybe go out and address a need but you can't necessarily, you know, just go you know full let's say A&M Ole Miss, you know, status <laughs> in NIL and just spend and spend and spend. You have to be wise about it. And you look at a guy like Elijah Roberts last year who came from Miami, underutilized and Put into a position where he becomes a you know, transfer all American for us at on three, all AAC, you know, a guy that should have been probably defensive player in the year in the league and is going to go into this final year with a chance to probably be, if he lives up to that level again, he could probably be a round two to three guy just with his versatility. Wow. He's that good. But my whole point on that is they do a good job of balancing 
bringing in Jonathan McGill last year, Stanford captain from the Dallas area who wants to finish his career at SMU and is a good football player with guys like Elijah Roberts, who flew under the radar and was kind of the add-on to nose tackle Jordan Miller in that deal, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And um, they just do a good job of walking that line, and they have the support of donors, fan base that want to embrace what is now allowed, now it's legal, uh, where SMU kind of wrote the book on on spending big back in the day. So it's um, it's it's fun times around here. It's it's a great city, of course. You know when when ACC fans you know visit it, it's it's they're going to have a good time. We'll we'll have them covered on all the food, drink, and uh, you know food. hotel recs and everything. Oh, yeah. Mainly mainly drink barbecue. Food. Let's go, barbecue. baby. Yep, yep. <laughs> bring in the bring in the Carolinas and let's let's have at it. So. Uh, they're they're just in a really good spot because they're they do have they walk that line of okay that's a real good player we can bring him in hey there's a guy that can project to be a good player just needs a better opportunity mm. or situation mm. I, I love a lot of good stuff there man this is going this is gonna be an interesting episode because it's like hey we don't have hours all right to talk about all this and there's so much that you know really we we want to dive into and what I love that you just said about you know back in the day they wrote the book you know they they went in that library got it and just Let's dust this thing off and uh, let's get back to work. Okay, let's get it going. Uh, and I love that because it's a new world, and uh, you know you, you have to figure those things out. And you know we did a, a transfer portal show the other day, and you know, I'm looking at the percentage of starts by transfers. SMU now we're putting them in all these ACC metrics. 67 percent led the league. Florida State was second right there with 59. So they're embracing it. They're taking it. They're saying, hey, let, let's add guys now. And I think what you might see in this year and maybe this next coming is, okay, we're also going to supplement this with all the talent in the high school region. It's kind of, we got to get these guys to play now, and then let's build that machine. And, and who knows? You know, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they look like. I, I, I'm jacked up. I really am about, about these guys and, and bringing them in the league and all the different things that come with that. Uh, but let's kind of do a 10,000-foot view of last year. Uh, you know, and, and let's start with the quarterback position because I think Preston Stone, I know he, he hurt his leg in that last game. Maybe – an update if you have it there. How's he progressing? Will he be able to, you know, go in and fall camp? Are we expecting it by then? Is it sooner? Where's kind of Preston with his, you know, recovery? Yeah, he he broke a bone in his leg and had surgery, and they're going to hold him out of spring ball. This was kind of all a part of the plan. He'll get to do some routes on air, maybe some seven on seven. But Preston is a guy who has played a ton of football from freshman year of high school. He was a national recruit already, had offers from all over. And now being the SMU starting quarterback. So he has all these years on him. So I don't think it's a bad thing that they're going to kind of limit him this spring and and let him kind of observe. And at the on the flip side, Kevin Jennings has played a lot the last two years, led them to that win against Tulane. Um, and and is a guy that a lot of people like in Dallas uh, at, at SMU as well. So he'll get even more reps this spring. And they're kind of hoping, I think, that keeps him around because he is uh, – you know, just backup quarterback wise. I mean, at the very least, a, a really, really good backup. So Preston's fine. He's going to be ready to go for fall camp for sure. And I think with him, he developed, and that's what really kind of sucked. Just watching Preston get hurt in that game, and you know, second quarter, halfway through, and you're up fifty-two to seven or whatever it was, and you're like, well, should they have taken him out? But I mean, nobody gets taken out in the second quarter, right? So. Right. He was really hitting his stride. That Memphis game the week before, he was really turning it on. He was starting to 
really calmed down. Early in the season, I felt like he was running around, kind of trying to do too much and still having some success, but it was also slowing the offense from reaching its full potential. And after they went on the road at East Carolina and played a good ECU defense this year and really struggled offensively, I think they they scored 13 points or something, or 24 points, um, and they had a late touchdown to kind of even get there. And that's when everything kind of turned. And I think they really had a calming down discussion with him, and he was able to turn it on from there and be one of the most productive quarterbacks, especially touchdown-wise in the country. And I think he's learned some of the big stage stuff, TCU, OU, being in those environments, being the guy, as well as just leading SMU to an undefeated AAC record. I mean, that's hard. I don't know, you know, who you are, what conference with your talent level around you. And it was just tough for him to not be able to obviously finish what he started, but he's a very talented quarterback. He is an SMU legacy. His dad was president of student body. So he's all in on this as well, of course, but uh, he's got a chance to really be settled in. They'll, they'll go to Nevada They'll play Houston Christian, and then they get into the BYU, TCU, FSU, Louisville stretch. And that's when we're really going to find out how much he's taken a jump. Can they go two and two? Can they right. go three and one, maybe? Can they shock some people? It'll be a lot on on Preston Stone this year. With that injury, Billy, are, are you feeling, will Preston Stone start game one? Is that what we're feeling that he can do? Yeah. They, recovery-wise? He, yeah, they're, he's going to be just held out of any sort of like quick twitch kind of stuff, um, team and, and things like that in spring. And then he'll get back. He's going to be a hundred percent cleared from what we were just, we're, uh, last week or two weeks ago from Rhett Lashley should be a hundred percent by the time the summer workouts start. And so he'll be in for that. That's good to hear. Yes, because, and like you said, the schedule, you ease into a little bit, but then TCU, FSU, Louisville, that's, that's going to be really fun. Um, before we get to this defense that was, what, second nationally in sacks last year? Kind of crazy. Just offensively, in general, with Rhett Lashley, who I think ACC fans are familiar with from Miami, um, outside of Preston Stone, what? Who? give us some other names we should be watching and just what we can expect from this offense. Yeah, this is, this is an offense that was able to really, I think, take advantage of a couple things. The, a- the AAC being relatively weak outside of some of the top-end teams. They were able to just stack yardage and points. And I mean, they, I think they had three AAC games that were 52 to seven type of games. I think yeah. they beat Temple. I mean, they just got out of hand on some of them. Um, but they're also an offense that, you know, can can grind things out here and there, at least what they did in the AAC. They really need somebody to step up, up at receiver. They lost Rasheed Rice going into it last year, and he was a guy that just took over games, drawing pass interference, big plays, all of those things. They need somebody, and in particular, really Jordan Hudson is kind of the guy. He's a former five-star. He transfer, transferred from TCU. He, he led the team um, in receiving touchdowns, I believe, had eight in his first year. And so he's somebody that has the talent, has – kind of all the tools to be like Rasheed Rice, quite frankly. If he steps up, then all the other receivers, they've got about six guys with going into their final year of eligibility at receiver, and they've all played a good bit. They're all veterans. They need somebody to really step up. They have a budding star in R.J. Maryland at tight end, and then L.J. Johnson, the former Texas A&M running back, 
looks like he's probably going to be the guy at running back. Jalen Knighton's still there. Rashard Smith from Miami is going to play some running back and obviously be a return guy as well. So they've got some really interesting pieces. That whole skill group needs to take it up a notch just as far as consistency. They rotated a ton of guys. And then the offensive line was very good, and they lose two starters off of that group and, and had a couple guys that played a lot. So they're looking for a little bit more consistency in the run game. And, and you know, the passing game probably needs to take that next step forward, too, with somebody being a true number one receiver. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think when you look at that and, and you see the production and, and who they want to be, especially looking back at the Miami days, you know, they love to run the football. You know, Coach Lashley, that, that's going to be a piece, and that really helps that RPO, and then you can take some shots downfield. What do you think adjustment-wise, Billy, uh, from from body types, from, you know, being just ready to go and play in the ACC? Uh, again, bowl games are relatively meaningless now. I, I understand it. You can only take so much from them. Uh, but you're going against a 6-6 six and six struggling Boston College team, and, and this, you know, we got the champs. We're feeling really good. I thought SMU was going to, you know, air them out. I know the field, all these different things, whatever. Is is that a, a reflection of that? Or do you think that, hey, don't even think about that. This team's going to be ready to go, you know, day one. Yeah, there, there's there's so many different like angles to it. Like you said, the field kind of not show. I, I don't think they were as ready to play as they needed to be. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, they were, even though they were leading going into the fourth quarter, they were missing on some things. They didn't tackle that well. Um, and usually they were a pretty good tackling team defensively, but Thomas Costianos just, he was just awesome, especially in the second half. So he put a lot of pressure on them. They were missing two key defensive starters for the game. Um, and then they had a couple injuries on at the wide receiver position on offense. So, and Kevin Jennings is a backup quarterback at the end of the day and uh, just didn't get enough, I think, from his wide receivers and his help and things like that. Um, I mean, he threw a 35 yard dime early in the fourth quarter and it's, hit him right in the hands and he drops it and they kick a field goal, it gets blocked. Instead of going up 11, you're down three. And then Boston college is able to impose their will on, on SMU in the fourth quarter. So a game that SMU would certainly want back. I, I think there are a bunch of different angles with that um, without a doubt, but I think they generally, at least on paper would feel confident going into their home matchup with Boston college second uh, or third weekend of November that in Dallas on a on a good turf and everything kind of even on that front that they can take that next step and beat a team like that, beat a team like Pitt for homecoming this year. Um, you know, Stanford struggled last year in the Pac-12. Those are games that you want to see them tick off and, and, and check, check the box, um, check the box in non-conference of beating a BYU and TCU. I mean, those are two teams that didn't make bowl eligibility in the Big 12. You want to see them take that step. There's a path where SMU goes 10 and 2, quite frankly, and there's also a path where they probably are around 6 and 6. Hmm. And that and that that beat down of a, a true power 5 schedule can come back and and hurt them. I think the big thing that SMU has done and to your question of body types and all those things they do not take time off when it comes to addressing the trenches. Right. They have Branson, Hick, Hick, Branson Hickman leaving. He was a starting center. Tyron White is a veteran offensive lineman who's leaving the right tackle spot. Well, they already had Ja'Kai Clark, who started 40-plus games at Miami, backing up Hickman. 
they have some more transfer help coming in. They brought, brought in Savion Bird to compete at right tackle with another former top 100 in P.J. Williams. They have been able to develop depth at these offensive line spots where they had an injury here or two this year. They were able to plug them in. It's a different level, don't get me wrong, but sure. you know they, they were able to do that and even rotate against an OU and, and a TCU. And defensively, they lost three starters on the defensive line. Well, four, if you include their edge rusher, Nelson Paul. And they were able to go out and bring back Elijah Roberts, a key retaining mm-hmm. piece there, but also go out and bring in a tank booker uh, who's played a lot in, in Power 5 uh, football. And then they went out and got Mike Lockhart, who played a ton, Georgia Tech and West Virginia, and been pretty productive, almost had double-digit tackles for loss in the Big 12. And then they go to kind of the piece where you can find some hidden gems. Jonathan Jefferson is a guy that came highly recommended from Georgia a former four star who was just kind of caught behind some of those yeah. big five stars on <laughs> the Bulldogs and bit of a log jam at Georgia. Yeah. So they <laughs> they've just they've just kind of addressed especially in the trenches really well and they returned their entire linebacker unit, their entire safety group. Um they they will try to grab one more D tackle and one more corner and maybe a tight end in the spring, but they've done a lot of the addressing uh, now which has been key. I love that. I love that. What what what's the difference? You know, I, I I like what you said there of ten and two or six and six. Like, what swings that? Is it health, luck? I mean, is there something in your mind where you're like, yep, if we can, you know, do this, SMU is going to be in a good spot. Number number one is health, and, and and that was something they for the most part were pretty good with um, throughout the season. They lost their right tackle in the second to last game or third to last game of the year, and and. Uh, and other than that, they they lost a couple guys in the bowl game to injuries early and then a couple others that didn't play because of the draft or whatnot. Um, but the big thing for me is seeing Preston Stone take the next step. Mm-hmm. I, and and to do that, he needs help from some of his receivers. Like I mentioned to Jordan Hudson, a former five-star, he needs to be that go-to receiver. But he also has Moochie Dixon, who's played a lot. He was a former Texas transfer. Jake Bailey's been a good option out of the slot, as has Roderick Daniels. Romello Brinson, a former Miami guy, as well as Keyshawn Smith. Both talented players need to take the next step for Preston to get, you know, a little bit more help from that group and consistency. There were times where you'd see them make a great play against an OU or TCU and other points of the schedule, but then you'd also see them be locked up. And, and not be able to get separation and do some of those things. And part of it is is Preston developing his timing and getting through reads quicker. I think he did a better job as, you know, he got um, more experience. But you couple that with needing, I mean, they had Tyler Levine, Jalen Knighton, LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton as kind of the four running backs that they played at different parts of the season. No one took took on that kind of bell cow, you know, reliable running back, whether it be injuries here and there or other missed time, they need probably LJ Johnson to be that complete back where he showed a glimpse against Memphis and some other programs that year that if they can get him to be, you know, a thousand yard back somehow, um, which I know is tough with running back by committee at times, but if he can be that productive, that would go a long way. Mac, here's also why I think, you know, SMU fans are excited about this schedule. I think you draw for just your first year in the ACC. I mean, look at the teams they get, right? Yeah. Stanford, Duke, Pitt, BC, Virginia, Cal. Like, 
<laughs> not our best, uh, yeah. I would say. So, but hey, they do start with the ACC championship, right? right. And of course, over a year ago. After so right. Hey, what? Hey, welcome, Billy. Welcome. Yeah. Here yeah. you go. Here's our two best from a year yeah. ago. We, right. So SMU there is that. Expecting the seven o'clock like ABC matchup against yeah, uh, FSU. Right. Remember, it's September in Dallas. Let's, let's you that's know, right. be smart here. Listen, I know. Um, but yeah, so look, I, let's look at the schedule for a second here, Billy, because. FSU at home, that's going to be fun. I feel like I'm, I'm hoping maybe already close to sold out or sold out. And going to be a hot ticket for sure. At Louisville, that's a – and you have TCU right before that. So a big stretch. But beyond that, Stanford, Duke, Pitt, BC, Virginia, Cal. SMU could possibly be favored in most of those. Maybe not at Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, very possible. I don't love this October where it's all road games. That's odd, yeah. I think, and, and tough for SMU. But – in general, Billy, when you first saw the schedule come out, what were your thoughts, and how do you feel? How do you feel like the fan base is feeling about this schedule as well? I, I think now that the Week Zero game with Nevada is on it, mm-hmm. a, a football program very much in transition there, um, they can block this schedule off into three week periods, and that's with the bye week. Like they get a bye week now before TCU to reset mm-hmm. after the first you know initial three game stretch. They can learn a lot from the BYU game. There's the expectation that they beat BYU. They got another game against an opponent in a very cold environment that they lost under Rhett Lashley in their bowl game the previous year. Uh, they they went for it all at the end. Uh, they went for the win at the, at the end of regulation loss. But um, they have this you know, three games, three games, three games, three games, three games. And that's how it's broken up. So if they can come away you know, three and oh, and then maybe go one and two, you know, at least get some sort of like statement win in that next three game stretch. Then you get into the, well, you've got to be on the road. You've got to play Duke, which talk about storylines. I mean, Johnny Brewer leaving SMU to be Manny's offensive coordinator. You got some other just, it could be a little spicy, could be a little spicy, (laughs) but they do. All those guys love, love Manny Diaz. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, I took away from uh, a lot of the guys that spent time uh, around Manny when he was at Miami, but uh, just some good storylines there. And, and yeah. Duke, it's, it's the Miami Bowl in Durham, yeah. Duke and SMU. It's like yeah. what? Yeah, what? Just keep it keep it private, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that'll be that's probably the one that I really like circle and like. This will be a really good matchup. And I know Pitt. Pitt's another one that they struggle, but they just they have that. They're Pitt. They're you know at least from an outsider joining the league. You know, they are physical. They've had some success here and there. That's another one homecoming weekend for SMU that they're going to need to be paying attention to. And, and it, you know, regardless of what happened with Pitt last year in the league, they, they just have some opportunities to, to win games that, at least from a fan base's perspective, and seeing, like, if you go back to OU and TCU, if you want to do some scouting there, they go on the road at OU. They miss a wide-open touchdown pass, and that's the first drive of the game. Two plays later, they're punting, punt-blocked, 7 nothing OU. Then, and then they have to, you know, they kind of are playing just a little bit of catch-up, you know, going into that one. But you talk to any OU fan, SMU played them about as well as anyone outside Texas. Sure. Um, you know, for the most part. But uh, the TCU game, they just didn't show up for it. They need to continue to develop that, sense of when the game is bigger showing up which they did at the end of the season in in their 
AAC run, don't get me wrong. But those were two early season games that SMU fans in particular, though, you want sitting there saying, yeah, that OU game was winnable. They didn't execute. They you know, made a couple miscues here and there. They had a fumble when they were driving to take a take a lead. I mean, they they let that one get away from them. So there's optimism. And there's also the reality of, okay, when this is all stacked up and you're in a power five schedule, can you just lock in on when you have opportunities to strike against some of these? I mean, they're they're all steps up from from the AAC outside of maybe Tulane, maybe. Yeah. You know, they're all steps up um, in terms of depth that you're competing against, talent, length, size. I mean, it's just different. And so when you can strike and get a win, they're going to have to do that uh, when they have opportunities. And it's football, it doesn't always happen, but you, they have a team that's veteran enough and talented enough to do it. That's going to be the learning maybe curve in a way uh, for this team as they navigate a full schedule. Sure. Well, here's the deal. We can't wait, man. It's going to be so much fun. we got to have you back on because oh, yeah. uh, there's so much. And we're introducing our fans to you, vice versa. Uh, so welcome, SMU, to the ACC. Billy, you're the bomb, man. This was great. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much, guys. Had a blast. And, uh, yeah, we'll be sure to do it again soon. Thanks again to Billy for joining us. And look, if you're an SMU fan and you're watching this, you probably already follow Billy, but uh, go follow Billy. He works with On3 and has a great SMU site. And I'm sure we'll be talking to him more soon, Mac, because the season will be here before you know it. You might be doing the ACC Network Roadshow out there in Dallas. I bet please, you are already please. campaigning yes. to do that show out there in Dallas. Sending an A, I'm like trying to trade. Like, what, what will I give up to go to Dallas? And- right. It's a lot outside yeah. of uh, Tiger Town. You know, I'm up to trade anything. So whatever it takes to go down there. I, I love going to Dallas. I'll actually be there a couple of different times for the USFL, uh, which is coming. USFL, UFL, excuse me. Woo, don't need to say that on air. Uh, it actually you is still one of the on leagues, that. though. It's still one of the leagues. So that would be fine. It would be a fine mess up. Uh, but the UFL, because we've merged go. and we've come together, a big party. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Always fun to go to Dallas and always fun to talk to our friend Billy. So. It's going to be a big party. Cannot wait to get it cranked up. Uh, the most interesting thing about their schedule, KG, is the fact that they play Boston College at home, a team they just played. I can't wait to see that one. I know it's That's a little the down most the road. interesting? I the, think FSU is because. the most interesting. Well, sure, sure. And you look at TC, all these different things. There's actually a lot of storyline. The, the Miami Bowl uh, that's taking yep. place in Durham. Uh, there, there's actually a lot of intrigue with this schedule and, and just to see. And I hope SMU fans show up. I hope that place is – nuts and, and the investment that they have obviously made to get to this point is is very impressive so anyway we got to get out of here we appreciate you guys tuning in we need your help come subscribe over to the channel hang out especially our new dallas fans let's go we need to see a spike uh over there in that community as, as we welcome you guys in uh gramlick and mclean just jump on the channel and also leave some comments yeah. uh we, we always pony appreciate up. that uh, pony up baby uh get that express rolling and, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. We will greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.